Hello, my praying people, and welcome to this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. My name's Leanne McCoy, and I am both an author and a speaker and the founder of the Prayer Clinic Ministry. I am excited today to be introducing you to a new friend, Amy Medina, who lives in Southern California, who has um, also lived much of her life in Africa, has adopted four children while she and her husband were missionaries in Tanzania, and she's still right in the thick of rearing these children. And we got to have a delightful conversation about what it might look like and and kind of her posture as a parent as she is um, rearing her children in an age of deconstruction. And the funny thing is the way that Amy and I got to meet each other was that I literally just Googled something I'm sure that had to do with deconstruction. And I came across a blog post that she had written and it was titled Raising Up a Child in the Age of Deconstruction. And when I read that blog post, I was like, oh my goodness, I love this girl. She is honest. She um, laughs at herself. She um, does not sugarcoat things, and she's smart. And so I thought, I wonder if I could maybe get her on our podcast, because I think that my listeners would really enjoy meeting her. And so lo and behold, my friends, I'm here to tell you that if you read something on the internet that you like, and you find a way to reach out to the person who wrote it, you just might get to find yourself a new friend. And that's what I found with Amy. So I hope you enjoy this conversation that Amy and I have in um, really talking about how to rear our children in a way um, that we can um, possibly deconstruction-proof them, but not really. I'm not even sure what I'm going to title this podcast, but it'll be something. (laughs) And enjoy this conversation with Amy. Hello, my praying people. I'm so excited to introduce you all to my new friend, Amy Medina. Amy lives in uh, Southern California, near or kind of close to or outside of Los Angeles, which is a very, very big place. She is a wife. She's a mother. She's a former missionary. And I'm going to let her share in a minute um, where she served. She grew up on the mission field. But the way that I got connected with Amy was through the internet. I Googled something I'm sure that had to do with deconstruction, because you all know uh, that I deal with this topic every once in a while. And a a blog post came up and it was called Raising Up a Child in the Age of Deconstruction. And when I read Amy's blog post, I was like, oh my goodness, this woman is spot on. And I knew then, Amy, that I wanted to have you on the podcast. So welcome to our prayer clinic podcast today. Thanks so much, Leanne. It's a privilege to be here. Well, Amy, um, if you would just let us get to know you, share with us uh, where where you grew up and um, maybe I, how you and your husband met and got married and then what your family looks like today. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm originally from California. Um, and although my family lived um, in Liberia, West Africa and in Ethiopia for a good number of my formative years. And so I had the privilege of growing up as a missionary kid, which was just um, a wonderful experience for me. Um, 
I went to college at the master's college, now the master's university in Southern California. And that's where I met my husband. Um, shortly after we were married, we moved to Dar Salaam, Tanzania as missionaries. Um, and that was in 2001. And we were serving with Reach Global, which is the mission of the Evangelical Free Church of America. And my husband and I served there um, until 2020. So it was really about 17 years because we spent some time in the States in between. But um, mm -hmm. I was involved in, uh, I'm a teacher by trade. And so I was involved in international school teaching there and then eventually became um, the elementary school principal there. Um, my husband was also involved at the school. He was a chaplain, Bible teacher. And then in the last several years we were there, he was training pastors. Wow. Um, so along the way, we adopted four kids from Tanzania, all when they were really little, some as babies, some as toddlers. And um, they are now between the ages of 10 and 16. So I have 10 year olds, 13, 14, and a 16 year old. That I'm raising. Yeah. And we, um, we relocated back to the States in 2020. We had just decided that that was going to be the right time. And the pandemic kind of got in the middle and made things more complicated. But yeah. um, we've moved back to California um, at that time. And I took a position with Reach Global in missions mobilization. So now I get to work with missionaries before they get on the field. So in the application process and the training and the coaching process is what I is what I'm doing these days. I love it. And I didn't tell you this when we were getting acquainted before we got on here, but in my early years of ministry, I worked for the missions organization connected to the Southern Baptist Convention, okay, great. which is Women's Missionary Union, which is the mission support organization that supported oh, the work cool. of the International Mission Board and the North American sure. Mission Board. So when yep. we talk missions, you're talking to a kindred uh, heart uh, here. And, and we have a number of IMB friends from okay. we're in Tanzania. Yeah. Very good. That's yeah. very, that's so cool. And I just, I was celebrating because uh, Amy and I really just got to talk for about 15 or 20 minutes before we got on here live. And um, it's just so cool. The body of Christ, the kingdom of God is, is very, very neat because all we know, as I, like I said, I read your blog post, but then immediately we, we don't have to take months of laying groundwork because we can just jump right in to the fact that the spirit of God in you and the spirit of God in me are, are able to fellowship and yeah. bring us together. So let's talk about some of the things though, that you brought up um, in your bot in your blog post. And one of the things you said that I really loved, and I thought I had not heard anybody say this before, but you um, made this statement and I didn't write it word for word, but you were saying that you're not so eager for your children just to say a rote prayer that gets them quote saved. Like so many children that we lead them through that. What I thought about were all our little children that come to vacation Bible school yeah. and that we lead them through that little prayer. And then so many of them, you know, as they grow up, there's not any evidence that there was any, uh, a real spiritual change there mm -hmm. at all. So let's mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit. Tell sure. us what you were thinking and what yeah. you're meaning by that statement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So really, I think that that uh, philosophy conviction kind of came to my husband and I through our many years of working in youth ministry mm -hmm. um, and both of us working as, as Bible teachers um, for, for young people. And we discovered that there were a lot of kids, and these were young teenagers or teenagers, who would say that they were saved because they prayed the prayer at age five. So mm -hmm. many kids would say that. 
Mm-hmm. But then when we would question them, they really didn't have any sense of the gospel or even mm-hmm. what saved them. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, really like through all of the years that we've worked with kids and worked with youth is that we've discovered that, you know, kids are so easy to please. And a, a lot of kids, especially, they just, they just have, like, they want to please the adults in their life. And so mm-hmm. it's very easy for them to pray a prayer or, you know, repeat after me or raise their hand or ask Jesus into their heart. When, what does it even mean to ask Jesus into your heart? I mean, can right. we even explain that as an adult, right. let alone to a kid? <laughs> what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm not, I'm not saying that children can't understand the gospel because I definitely believe that there are children that are saved from a young age. You know, I think mm-hmm. I was saved from a young age. So it's not that it's not possible for that to happen because God can bring about true saving faith, even in young children, but we need to be careful that we're not saying you're saved because you prayed this prayer right. because that's legalism. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. essentially legalism and, and there's kids out there who are staking their faith on the fact that they prayed a prayer and that's, that's works basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, you know, they go through their, their life thinking that they're a Christian because they prayed this prayer when really they, they don't have knowledge of the gospel. And so Mm -hmm. what I have found, you know, in my years as, as a teacher or as a principal is that I would just be really careful to not, um, not make kids put kids in a, in a situation where they're just going to feel like, oh, I want to do this because it's going to make my teacher happy or it's going to make my parent happy. And mm-hmm. so instead, I just ask a lot of questions, just like if they show an interest in the gospel, I ask a lot of questions to see if they understand. And 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 I really try to emphasize them that it's faith that saves them. It's not saying a prayer. It's not asking Jesus into your heart. It's actually the faith. And so I might say to them something like, wow, sounds like you really have faith that Jesus saved you from punishment of sin, or it sounds like you really want Jesus to be the boss of your life, Mm -hmm. that you want to do things God's way. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the faith that saves you. And so I'll try Mm -hmm. to emphasize to them that it's the faith and it's, it's an abstract concept. So it's going to be a process of maturity in their life for sure. But just, just to make sure that they're not staking their faith on something that they did when they were a child, because that's where it gets dangerous because then Mm -hmm. they, they think that they're saved and they really don't know Christ. You know, I think that it's hard because as parents, it's like, you know, as Christian parents, it's like our greatest heart's desire is for our children to know Christ. Like that is the passion of our hearts. And so I think that sometimes it's like, well, we just want to make sure that we know that that's, that that's where they are, you know, but then it's almost like we're trying to give ourselves assurance Mm-hmm. that that's actually happened as opposed to really seeing if they truly understand the gospel. Yeah. And, you know, like I think often of Matthew 13 with the parable of the sower and the seeds mm-hmm. and, you know, like we scatter the seed and some of it like sprouts up quickly. Um, but then it withers under the hot sun or it withers mm-hmm. under, under the weeds. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what was actually the proof of salvation? It was, it was the fruit. It was the reproduction. It was, you know, seeing the fruit in their lives. And so I think that like, what's most important is that we are asking ourselves of the, our own kids or kids that we're investing in, like, are we actually seeing fruit in their life and fruit that's truly from a transformed life, you know, because like, for example, this was one thing I wrote about in the blog is that like, I have one of my children is just super happy and 
and super kind and just um, such a people person. And I remember once a teacher said to me about this child, wow, this, this child really demonstrates the Holy Spirit because, you know, for all of these reasons. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what, though, I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I think this is this child's personality. And as parents, we, we can discern those things. You know, we can discern like, okay, this is just how this child is. Mm-hmm. And this is a transforming work of the gospel. Cause you could have a really difficult child, but as a parent, you could see, but you know what? I can see God working in that child's yeah. life. And so I think to be able to, to distinguish between what is actually the fruit of the Holy spirit mm-hmm. versus just, you know, the way that God made that child, we need to be mm-hmm. able to do that so that we're not giving false assurance to the kids or to ourselves. Well, and that's also, you bring up a good point in that knowing that you prayed a prayer is a works-based theology, really, of thinking that's what saves you. And as Mm -hmm. you were talking, my mind was racing on the (laughs) um, evidence, you know, that I see as a mom and my own children, my own grandchildren. And I was realizing in my own life that, um, while we come to Jesus in an initial uh, decision of our head and our heart to invite him in to re- understand his forgiveness that he gave us on the cross, what the, what the death was for, and then what the resurrection means, we enter in, that's like the stepping in place to um, working out your salvation, you know, because like, it's the stepping yes. on place of letting this this transformation begin to happen. But if we as parents create that into an event, it's an event, it's a moment Mm -hmm. in time when, yes, the initial, I would say your salvation experience, that moment in time, but that's just the beginning of an ongoing Mm -hmm. relationship. And I, I feel like some of what you're saying is if it's genuine, if that moment in time is real, then you're going to see evidence of the ongoing relationship. Yes, absolutely. And And of course, like the faith of a five-year-old is not going to look like the faith of a 50-year-old, you know, I mean, like there's, and so, and that's where it just gets complicated because Mm -hmm. yeah, like it's not, it's, it's going to be different. Like the faith of a child is going to look different. They're not going to necessarily understand every aspect of theology at Mm -hmm. that age. But yeah, I, I, I think that you're, you're, we're saying the same thing that it's, Mm -hmm. it's a matter of, but we should be able to see that growth. We should be able to see mm-hmm. that faith actually transforming them mm-hmm. um, if it's if it truly is saving faith in their lives and and yeah. not just put all of our all of our hope and all of our assurance on that they pray to prayer. Right, 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 right. Now, in the lives, well, as your role as a mom, how do you handle the uncertainties your children have? Like, what does that look like in the flesh now? You kind of implied that how you would see and try yeah. to examine, is it real or not? But how do you handle the actual, you know, your kid's uh, relationship with the Lord? How do you yeah, guide you that? Know, or- I, I think that really, and, and this is just, it's, you know, I feel humbled to answer these questions because I don't feel like, I'm an experienced mom. I don't feel like I <laughs> none of us are though. I mean, like we're like right in it right now, you know, like right. we're right in the thick of it. So it's not like I can say, oh, you know, like everything we did um, worked perfectly. Um, <laughs> but I think where we try to hold it right now is just we really, really welcome their questions. That's and we, good. And we, 
we never, I never want to give them the impression that I'm scared by their questions Mm -hmm. or ashamed of their questions about spiritual things. You know, we keep saying, be good thinkers, ask good Mm. questions. And, and the thing is, is that like truth, truth rises to the surface, you know? So I'm not afraid of their questions because I don't feel like there's a question that they're going to ask where I say, oh no, now they're not going to have a reason to believe in God, you know, Mm. because they've asked that Mm -hmm. question. Like, Mm-hmm. I think that because I myself have over the years have gone through so many um, times of questioning, like I'm just a natural questioner. I'm a natural mm-hmm. doubter in a sense. I'm always mm-hmm. evaluating what I believe that it's brought me to a point of having confidence that mm-hmm. you can ask whatever question you want. And, and I, I, you're, I don't think you can pull down Christianity. Like, I don't think you can pull down the Bible. So mm-hmm. really it's like, okay, ask those questions you know, bring them up. Like there's nothing yeah. to be afraid of in it. There's nothing wrong with even questioning things that seem like they should be taboo. You know, like everything is on mm-hmm. the table. Everything is, is questionable. And I absolutely believe mm-hmm. in, in, in absolute truth. You know, I'm not saying that it's all just a matter of mm-hmm. kind of like what the culture says is, Oh, everybody's truth is true. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying that I'm just saying, I believe that the Bible can hold up to even the hardest questions. And so let's go ahead and question. Yeah, that is, that is huge. And I almost feel like that, that right there is something that churches need to be um, listening to, like as children are growing up and and youth, if the church where we're trying to uh, formally educate our children. And that's one of our issues, I think, too. It's not necessarily the church ought to have the secondary role. Parents ought to have the primary role in spiritually educating their children. But um, oftentimes I've heard in the deconstructing culture, children say, or young adults saying, I had questions and it wasn't okay to ask them because, Mm -hmm. and the not okay was because of the fear of the person on the other side of that question, um, probably sensing some fear because they were a little bit afraid. Oh no. What if they stumped me with this question? I know that my daughter is so smart. And from 10 years old on, she would say to us, why do I have to go to Sunday school anymore? They're just teaching me the same thing. They've always taught me. And I also know on the other side, the teacher, dreaded her coming into their class because she was going to ask the hard questions and they Uh were so you know that really is kind of an indicting thing to us as the church I think we cannot ignore what's going on in our culture without looking at how we do church and how we're Mm -hmm. educating our our children and what kind of an environment we give them because Mm -hmm. I think that's very good I've even heard my I am getting a little bit of a do-over you know most parents don't get a do-over like you said you're Mm -hmm. not experienced parents and I'm like nobody is because we're all doing it for the first time and by the time you figure it out they're they're all grown up and you're like I don't know and um, and you're disqualified or qualified based on their choices not yours you know and um, but my do-over is that I have my grandchildren living Mm. in my home and oftentimes um, my 10-year-old granddaughter will kind of mutter on her under her breath what if I don't believe that 
Mm-hmm. And I and I want to give her an environment where, well, let's talk about that. What mm-hmm. do you believe? And and yeah. and what's making you think that might not be true? And you know, and that kind of thing. So I think that's I think that's such a, mm-hmm. a great mm-hmm. a great thing to do for your children is allow them and what they see because you've given them an environment that is safe for them to question. I would think that your confidence in Christianity and the Bible being able to stand again you know the test of this allows them to see just your confidence will have make an impression on their pursuit of the lord i, I would Can imagine so. That's what yeah. I pray yes for. we do hope so so that leads to one of the questions i asked him is can we deconstruction proof our children <laughs> you know can we but um, yeah so what would you say to yeah that? you know i <laughs> I wish there was a way to do that. You know, yeah. I, I think that there's good advice, but I, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is that the Bible doesn't promise our, doesn't guarantee our kids salvation. You know, I, yeah. we, we want, we want that, you know, and I know Proverbs says, you know, train up a child in the way that they'll go in, in the way that he'll go. And in the end, he won't depart from it. But I think sometimes we forget that Proverbs is a, is a, book of good advice. It's not a book of promises. And so mm-hmm. we can, I mean, absolutely there's things that we can do that should help, mm-hmm. but I don't think that we can, we can ever do anything that's going to promise it. So, um, but there are some things that I, that I've learned and I feel like it's, it's been more from all my years of youth ministry. And now we're applying it to our kids, you know, like just in, mm-hmm. in the years of youth ministry, just seeing the mistakes that other kids made and seeing the big picture of their lives and then hoping that some of that's going to help us with our kids. So I would say mm-hmm. some of them, I would say one of the things that my husband and I really, um, really live by is we protect their eyes and ears, but we don't shield them from ideas. So what mm-hmm. I mean from that is that like we ruthlessly guard our kids from sexual and violent images. So we ruthlessly, I mean, and and these days you have to be ruthless truly, because, because in an age of smartphones and the internet and, and Netflix, you know, having kids be overexposed to, to sex and violence is just everywhere. And so we, our kids have phones, but we have really, really tight boundaries on their phones. My oldest didn't get any kind of social media till she was 15 mm-hmm. um, because, because their brains are still developing and, you know, study after study shows the danger of porn and mm-hmm. just, um, and how much YouTube is discipling our kids. And so we are, mm-hmm. we are ruthless when it comes to that, but at mm-hmm. the same time, and this is a fine line, we want them to be exposed to all kinds of ideas. So ideas are, you know, open everywhere here. You know, we talk about everything and um, we, we don't try to protect them from the evil in the world when it comes to ideas and things mm-hmm. and real life things that are happening. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the philosophy that we've, that we've adopted where we're trying, where we're trying to protect their they're developing brains, but yet at the same time, exposing them to all different kinds of ideas. So we talk about mm-hmm. LGBT issues all the time mm-hmm. because they're surrounded by it all the time. Mm-hmm. Even in Christian school, they're surrounded by it constantly. We talk mm-hmm. about creation and evolution. Um, we talk about 
problems in churches in the fallen Christian church in America, which is a huge reason why a lot of young people are deconstructing mm -hmm. right now is because That's they're right. seeing all of this stuff that mm -hmm. was shoved under the rug. And now all of it's coming out and there's mm -hmm. still a lot of churches and Christians that don't want to deal with it. And it's like, right. we need to deal with it. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that we do is we try to teach them about worldviews and how to evaluate worldviews. So worldview is a huge, huge thing for my husband and I. We back in our early 20s, we started reading um, the books that Nancy Piercy has written. She is absolutely brilliant. I recommend all of her books. I think they should be read by every Christian. Um, but just how does she, first, tell me how she spells her last name. P-E-A-R-C-E-Y. Okay. Okay. Um, Go ahead. But she just, she was very, very influenced by Francis Schaeffer. I don't know if you've heard of him, but yeah. I mean, uh -huh. big name philosopher. And uh -huh. um, so she really kind of has repackaged his ideas in a, in a more modern um, context, but our lives were transformed by her books when we, in our early 20s. And so really understanding what a biblical worldview is and how it compares to other worldviews is extremely important to us. So, you know, like we, we look at LGBT issues, for example. Well, what is the underlying worldview? Where are these ideas coming from? So we've made sure that we have a firm grasp on that ourselves. And then we talk about it with our kids because these ideas don't just come out of nowhere. Like they right. come from a worldview. And, and, and if you just say, well, the Bible says this, this, and this to a kid who's not convinced that the Bible is true, right? then it's not going to do anything. Like that's not going to influence them at all. But right. if you help them to see there's a reason behind God creating the world this way, there's uh -huh. a purpose behind how he created the human body and how he created mm. the family and all of those things and help them to see the worldview behind it. Then I think that there's some, there's some hope of getting the kids to say, oh yeah, you know, like this is what, um, this is, this is why I want to believe what I believe. So one thing we would do when we were youth pastors, and then we've done with our kids as well, we've gone through seasons of doing this, is we'll show them movie clips, and then we'll say, what's the worldview? Tell me what the worldview is. And this is, this is after giving them sort of a foundation of worldviews and say, what is the message it's trying to convey? Where does that idea come from? What is the worldview behind it? Just trying mm -hmm. to get them to think through where, where do these, where does this different thinking come from. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. just like what you and I were talking about, um, before we mm -hmm. started the podcast, we were talking about the idea of, um, the, the really common idea right now called the secret or, yeah, I mean, very, very much promoted by Oprah Winfrey, this idea that you can mm -hmm. speak truth into existence, that you can bring good right. things to you by, by, you know, or that whole idea of, uh, you know, I'm sending positive energy out into the universe. Well, that's basically just Buddhism repackaged, you know, but people don't mm. realize that they say, oh, this is like a new, exciting mm -hmm. idea. And, and, you know, works for mm -hmm. me without realizing where it came from and what ultimately it's saying about the universe. And so, you know, helping kids to see that from the beginning and be able to point it out, I think can help them from then just being taken in by what they're watching or listening to without even realizing it. That's good. That is, that's, that's strong right there, what you're saying. And really we love a lot of those things like manifesting things into being and, 
and the positive energies and we call all that new age, but it's really just old age. It's, it's mm-hmm. ancient old age that's mm-hmm. being rekindled and, and stirred up and presented again, but mm-hmm. what a great, and if we don't expose our children to these worldviews, they're not necessarily going to get it. And so that's, that's really good <laughs> so that it doesn't trip them up. You know, what might've happened to some of us is our children get out there and they're being, they're, they're discovering these views for the first time. And because mm-hmm. they hadn't really ever thought about it before, they're like, huh. And they, yes, you know, and it's exactly. going to be spun in a way that attacks their Christian faith. And so it kind of begins to make sense a little bit. And without any guidance in that, you, you know, you're just yeah. you're on your own to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly. Good. Yeah. That's and you know, the, the true biblical worldview is beautiful. Like when we, when we are showing them, you know, the goal is to show them that this is so much better way to live than anything mm-hmm. else the world can offer you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and instead I feel like all they end up seeing is all the junk, you know, all the sin yeah. and all the covered up abuse and, you know, like all of these mm-hmm. things, because a lot of the time Christians don't want to own up to that stuff. And then they miss the fact that the mm-hmm. Christian world, the biblical worldview is beautiful. And so we, it's like as parents, we have to come up with a way for them to see that mm-hmm. beauty. And I don't, I don't know if, I, if I've accomplished that with, with, with my kids, but mm. that's the goal. You know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm yeah. reaching for. Yeah. Well, and that's a great thing. In fact, earlier today, I sat, I was listening to a podcast and it was a woman who has come out of the, um, I don't even know what she would call what she was. Well, she's called it new age several times, but it, it was more than that. It was the divine feminine goddess, you know, kind of mm-hmm. um, yeah. worship. And she is a Christian now. And she was really talking about how that's just manifestation of various demonic activity that lures you into it. But what was so significant about it was she and another girl who had both been in this kind of, um, place in their faith and they had both become Christians. And I felt like I haven't looked enough in their background to see if it was recent, recent, or in the last several years. And, um, they were both talking about how only God could satisfy what their soul was really longing for. And because they had not grown up in Christianity at all, and they had come out of this very, very bizarre, I mean, as opposing of Christianity as it could possibly be, they have come out of that. They, they just couldn't, it was really sweet listening to them talk because they just could not get over the love of God. <laughs> like they were just, yeah. they're like, how can we, and, and they would even say, how did we not see this? How did we not experience it? Yeah. And as they were talking, I thought we who grew up in the Christian mm-hmm. faith, mm-hmm. it's almost like growing up in America versus growing up in a very, very destitute place. We don't celebrate our, our blessing because we just have always had it. And that's yeah. what I would, cause I was getting kind of convicted. I was like, how long has it been since I got this excited over the love mm-hmm. of Jesus, you know, as excited yeah. as they are. And because I've just known him for so long and I found myself just worshiping all, all over again because of the conversation and how, uh-huh. how they yeah. were having it. But that is so rich. And that uh, is such a significant thing about the worldview, what you're, what you're talking about. Well, another thing that I really love about your 
writing is how transparent you are when you're writing. And I, I felt like um, you you probably parent with the same kind of transparency. And it sounds like you do since y'all um, are wanting to talk with your kids about anything and really nothing is off limits to, to discuss. But my question for you is how does your transparency regarding maybe even your own faith struggles. You also mentioned that you are a doubter, like you ask mm-hmm. the questions. Yeah. How do you feel like that impacts the faith development of your children? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think that sometimes with kids, we try too hard to make Christianity attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about like VBS and Sunday school and even kids Bibles, and they're just like full of like, everything happy and perky and, you know, all of these things. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I mean, now there's a fine line here cause I was a teacher. And so I totally understand how important it is. That you've got to bring things down to a kid's level. You need to understand their attention span, you know, like mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. But when I say we try too hard to make it attractive, I mean, like on a superficial level, you know, yeah. like we try to sugarcoat it. We try to sugarcoat yeah. things. And in a sense, it's like, we're unintentionally even we're like preaching a prosperity gospel to our kids. You know, like yeah. we're, we're, we're saying that like, if you're with Jesus, you know, you're never going to be afraid. You're never going to be lonely. There's not going to be bad things that are going to happen. Mm. And so it's like, we do, we, we, we present this picture of Christianity, like sort of an everlasting day camp. And then when bad things happen, then they become cynical and disillusioned and they feel the whole thing was a joke, you know, and, you know, it's like a kid discovering Santa Claus isn't real. You know, it's like, wait, like you, this is not what you told me that Christianity was going to look like. And then I see all this junk coming out of the church and, you know, like, so I think that it's like, we've got to somehow figure out how to bring kids into the reality of the brokenness of ourselves and the brokenness of the world and why we need Jesus, you know, like our kids need to see us apologize. Mm. They need to, they need to hear us lament over, Mm. over the horrible things that are in the world. They need to hear our own doubts. Yeah. And then they need to see us like pointing out evil and pointing out sin in the church. Yeah. You know, I don't think that we shouldn't have churches or pastors or missionaries on this, in this category where they're seen as sinless, Mm -hmm. you know, like we shouldn't try to shield our kids from that brokenness. Cause I really am convinced that, I mean, every kid is different. Every young person is different, but I think that a lot of the reason that some people are, some young people are, are becoming cynical is because like, look at all the stuff that they're seeing and, and they just were never given that opportunity to see, you know, how broken we really are. And I think that sometimes the church tries to protect its own reputation too hard. Like it's Mm -hmm. almost like we're trying to protect God's reputation, you know, by ignoring or dismissing the sin that's in our own lives and our own walls, you know, like, oh, if we admit that abuse has happened here, or if if we abuse, if we admit that racism has happened here or is happening here, then that's going to make people run away. But it's actually the opposite. You know, like, because when we, when we actually pull, pull aside that rug, that's hiding the sin. And we said, we say, Jesus died for that sin, you know, like let's deal with it. Then that's, that's, what's going to attract people to the gospel. Like, cause that's truly what the gospel is. Yes. So, yeah. So, you know, when you talk about transparency, like that's what I want my kids to see in me is that I want them to see in me those own 
struggles and doubts and then how I can turn to Christ in the middle of those things. Yeah. And that it's not just, oh, God's made my life perfect and, and he's going to make your life perfect too. Yes, right. Because a lot of what's being sold that deconstructing kids are embracing is that it is possible to live with this essence of um, perfection here in this world, like mm -hmm. that it can be attained and it, and it will be attained through their, their channeling it from wherever it comes from into the world itself. And, and all the while that they're manifesting this, they're seeking for peace. And whereas we know that peace, the Prince of Peace is who has come to save the world. And it's in his sa saving that we can have a personal relationship with him. And that even amidst all of the trouble and all of the stuff that you're saying that none of us are can deny that happens still in that, in the good times and the bad, you still have peace. Like peace yeah. is, is there and it really is there where it's not really there for them. They're always having to try to make it be there and they have to work for it to be there or to, um, you know, uh, get it in another way. And I think that is, I think that is a piece of the puzzle for us to be, the world is not going to buy, buy it anymore. I think back in the seventies and eighties, we could dress it up, it up, you know, dress the church up and sell it. And that we would never use those words, but mm -hmm. we did, you know, we wouldn't use the word marketing, but we would say, we want to let people know what's yeah. going on here. And because there was no social media and internet where everybody can see what's behind the curtain you know it's like at wizard of oz we there is no curtain yeah. anymore uh -huh. <laughs> we all see yeah indeed you can't it, yeah you can't pull the wool over people's eyes anymore and so you just have to learn as the church to walk in integrity and just mm -hmm. own that and then see the redemption of christ in that rather than um see how our christian faith responds to the brokenness rather than mm -hmm. trying to pretend we're not broken yeah, yeah. that's good that's good. Yeah. Well, um, let's, uh, goodness, Amy, this is good conversation. We may have to circle back around and come again if you'll <laughs> let me sometime because you're just, you've got so much depth of what, the way that you're approaching these, these questions and the way that you're rearing your children. And um, so, but I want to wrap it up for this particular episode and maybe we can bring you back sometime, but how does being a mother grow your own faith? Yeah, so much. I mean, even especially now that my kids are teenagers, I think because I'm a bit of a control freak, control freak, actually, I'm kind of a lot of a control freak. And, um, you know, when it was when they were little, like, I could, I could control everything, right, you know, and it's right. like, okay, but they're older now. And, and I cannot control most of the decisions that they make. And I have wow. to release my children to God. And I can't make my children become Christians. You know, I can teach them Bible verses. I can teach them manners, mm -hmm. but I can't transform their hearts. You know, only, right. only Christ can do that. And, and so, you know, I, there's been times when I have had intense stress over my kids' choices and, you know, the Holy spirit has just said to me, you are not the author of their hearts. You know, I am mm -hmm. the author of their hearts. And, um, you know, and really it's, I have to trust that he's got this you know, that he, they're his, they're not mine. And so I can do what I can do, but then I need to release them to God, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that sometimes there's so much, you know, as a mom, you're so wrapped up in your kids' lives that you really start taking personally 
the choices that they make. And you worry about what other people are going to think. And, and oftentimes parenting is more about me than it is about what God's doing. And so being able to say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to trust God with my kids and I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them the way that God loves us. And I'm going to point them to Christ, but then the rest of it is all God. So it really, it really has stretched and deepened my, my trust in him. It's a constant battle for sure. It's not like I'm there yet, but just a constant battle to release my kids to God and say, I'm going to do what I can, but really you're the one that's got to transform them. Yeah, that's good. And, um, how do you think that our prayers, how do the prayers of a mom affect the lives of our children? Mm. Well, you know, I mean, according to scripture, like that's the battle, right? You know, I mean, I, as my kids have gotten older, my prayers for them have absolutely increased in intensity and it's become to the point where I'm like, God, you just gotta, you just gotta work in them. You've got to do it. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's the battle right there is in prayer because they, because ultimately it's not us that can change them. That's right. And I think I shared it in a podcast earlier about my son coming into the room where it's right next door to where I am right now talking to you and, and just sitting down and saying, you got to quit praying for me in this. Like, I know you pray for me in this room. I can feel it. And you got to quit doing it. You're messing with me. And I said, well, you're just going to have to keep being messed with because I'm not going to quit. So, and and, and for me, it was a little bit of an endorsement. I thought, okay, good. Then I mean, I hated that. He was being tormented, but I love that he thought my prayers were making that difference because I needed that encouragement as well to know that they do. Yeah. But you're right. Scripture does tell us to pray. It Scripture encourages us not to give up. Uh, twice Jesus taught on prayer. And those two times it was, um, well, he taught on prayer a few times, but two of the times it, the message was to pray and not give up. And so I cannot mm-hmm. help but believe yeah. that. Um, somehow in the mystery of it all, the prayers of a mother are incredibly powerful Mm. in the lives of our children. And, and so I hope our, you all, our listeners are encouraged by this conversation. Amy is a mom whose kids are, are still at home. She just told us they're right at the front end of being teenagers. So Amy, we'll all be praying for you. Thank you. I I remember being there and, um, and then I know our listeners know my children are in the young adult world and many of theirs are as well. And for those of you who may be where I am in life and not where, where Amy is, be encouraged by, I hope this conversation still encourages you. Uh, one of the things I would say is applicable for our takeaway. If our kids have already um, deconstructed and uh, walked away from the faith is to ask a lot of questions and create environments where questions are welcome. And um, perhaps um, help that conversation move toward what is the what's the worldview that's attached to or what is the root of that, you know, to try to have some of those deeper level um thing things to talk about around that I did I have learned that a good place for me is to ask a lot of questions rather than telling a lot of things because our children if they're grown they can pretty much they could have your half of the conversation without you in the room because they <laughs> know what you're going to say so our power is not in our words of what we're saying our power is more in our um 
listening and getting them to talk so they can hear what they're saying, I do believe. And then, of course, I think the major power is in the power of the Holy Spirit in response to our praying. And so with that said, Amy, would you mind closing us out with a word of prayer? Sure, I would be happy to. Thank you. Gracious Father, um, I just thank you so much for this time and for Leanne's heart, for her kids, for so many other people's kids and um, for wanting to walk together through these hard seasons of parenting. Um, God, I thank you that we can trust that even our kids are under your control and that their hearts, that you are the author of their hearts and that even though we are all gonna blow it and we're all gonna make mistakes and we're all gonna look back and say, oh, I wish I had done this or that, that you are still sovereign over all of those things. And so Father, I just, I pray for all of our kids. I pray for the kids of, of everybody who is listening to this now that you would give us grace and wisdom as we parent them, but that also that you would, that you would be drawing them as only you can, that you would be transforming hearts as only you can. God, you are good and faithful and may we keep our eyes fixed on you. In Jesus name I pray, amen. 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 Amy, thank you so much for spending this time with us My today. Pleasure. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Leanne. Mm -hmm. Didn't you enjoy Amy? I'm not kidding. I hope that I can get her back another time to be on our podcast with us. She is so smart. <laughs> Makes me wish that I could just go back to uh, 10 or 15 years and apply everything that she's teaching us to um, how I'm rearing my own children. But listen to me, parents. One of the most significant things you can do, I believe, to um, maximize the stewardship of being a parent and rearing your children is to do whatever you have to do to clear your calendar so that you have enough emotional energy and just space in your day to have the time to talk and to pour into. The other thing that I really heard Amy say that I want to just put an exclamation point on is how rigorously, she, she used the word ruthlessly, that she and her husband work to protect their children from violence and um, just unsupervised and and um, out of control time on social media and on the internet. Um, I'm telling you, we have got to be ruthless as parents. It's, it's just incredibly significant as they're growing up to help them do that. So um, anyway, those were some of the things that I thought were just rich, rich, rich. For those of you whose children like mine are grown, I just want to encourage you to continue um, holding God to his word. He loves it when we do that. And um, when you don't know what to pray, just worship and praise him. And um, you know that he's got them in the palm of his hand as he always has had and as he always will have. So let's keep on praying, my praying people. Y'all want to know more about the Prayer Clinic ministry? Go to prayerclinic.com. You want to know more about me? You can go to leannemccoy.com. You can also, I want to encourage you to check out the show notes so that you can um, link up with Amy Medina also. I'll, I'll actually put her website there so that you can go and begin to follow her blog as well. So thank you for listening today. I look forward to seeing you next time.